just uh, finishing up uh, the love chapter, verse uh, chapter 13, uh, did a two-weeker on that. If, you're, um, if you missed those, I'd recommend hitting them up because there's some really good stuff in there. Um, and it's kind of like the theme of what Paul's trying to get this church of Corinth to understand. They've struggled through um, being selfish and self-centered and having um, godliness and having God do things in their life, but putting themselves first. And we can see it all throughout the book as we see them putting themselves first in their liberties and allowing uh, them to live in sin or moving on into uh, what they eat and not caring about what other people think. Um, And then spiritual gifts, they were they were gifted. They had the spiritual gifts were evident among them, but they had forgotten one thing. And Paul pointed that out. It was love. You're lacking love. And so when we got into chapter 13, it was like a full blown, like surgical, uh, tearing you apart basically to show you how little you love and how much your love is lacking and, and how much we need, um, God's love to, to receive it and then to be able to give it out. So this whole, relationship uh between us and him and then us and each other so i'm gonna drink some water we're gonna pray and then we're gonna get started i like never have my voice go out except for sunday morning right here of course yeah let's pray Lori, thank you so much for um each person here and and for those uh who are gone traveling having fun or those who are sick we just lift them up we thank you for this body uh this church these it's family we have here together god and we pray that we'd all grow um together in unison as we follow you god that we would be growing closer to you and growing closer to each other and and the god you'd speak to us by your spirit that you'd um give us ears to hear and eyes to see the things that are lacking in our life the things that we struggle with and give us understanding Help us to just to continue to move forward. So, God, we pray that you would go before us and uh, fill us and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. It says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Uh, kind of a continuation from chapter 13, pursue love. Remember the end of chapter 12, he had said, all these gifts are great. Pursue the greatest gifts, but there is, there's a better way. There's a better way, and it's love. Love will be the continuing factor. So he says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. We're to desire spiritual gifts. We're really to pursue, pursue love. There's an action there involved, right? A lot of times we think that love is something that, like, it graces you with its presence, you know, and, oh, here comes the love. I'm just not feeling the love. You have to pursue love, right? Like feeling love, that's just like a fleeting feeling and, and it wears out over time. You have to pursue it. You have to cultivate it. You have to um, invest in love, right? Both coming from him. And, and if you've been married for any ex- period of time, you know that, that just the feelings alone, they don't even last through the dating period most of the time, right? Just the feelings alone of like bliss, you know, you get the bliss, but then there's like, there's reality of like, oh, you're a human. I'm a human. This is different than I thought. Right. You know, not Tori. Cause she's perfect. And I love her. She's yeah. But for other people, I've heard this. People have told me about this and, um, and, uh, she's experienced this with me anyway. So, but, but you can see the more that you pursue love, the more that you, you invest and you, uh, sow into it 
the benefits continue to come. And so to think of it less of a feeling, more of a commitment and, uh, and seeking him in that way. So he says, pursue love, desire, spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts are, are great. They are used to, again, build up the body, to edify us, to bring us to a place where we're stronger, uh, building up, putting place things in our lives that will bring us closer to who we're supposed to be and, and knowing God more. And anyway, so, but especially that you may prophesy, um, Prophecy is kind of a tricky thing, right? We see Old Testament prophets, and and a lot of them don't even really want to do it. Like they're just kind of like, "You really want me to say that, God?" You know, and, and it's like, "You so you want me to tell them they're all going to be destroyed?" Wonder how that's going to go. You know, we all love being the one to give good news, right? I come home and my kids will they'll be like, "Dad, Dad, Dad," and one of them's like, "I have something I want to tell you," and then the other one blurts it out before they say it. Just because they want to be the one that delivers it. But so then as soon as that, that one hears them saying it, they say it too. The message actually never even gets delivered, right? Because you're like, I just heard noise. And it's usually something like, look what we got. And it's like a juice. This one's for you. And I'm like, oh, okay. Sorry, man. I thought that was like something really cool happened or something today. But no, I'm just kidding. I love it. Thank you, guys. Appreciate the juice. But um, we love delivering that. But it's a little bit different to deliver Hard news, you know, where you don't want, I mean, that's not fun to do. It's not fun to stare someone right in the eyes and tell them the truth that, you know, is going to rock their world. Right. And, and so we kind of have that when we see old Testament prophets, um, this is the gift of prophecy. It's not just teaching. Uh, some would say that this is just like preaching and, um, influential teaching of the word, I guess. Right. Uh, but prophecy has more of a prediction and revelation elements to it where someone can speak into your life in a way that it kind of makes sense. Or maybe you hear something on a Sunday morning and, and it's just a word that is exactly perfectly fitting for you at that time. God speaking through someone. Maybe you've been used in this way to speak to someone where all of a sudden you just had a word for him and you said it to him and it was like fitting and it, and it made, and they were stoked, you know, and they kind of like, where did that come from? And they're a little bit spooked out by who you are. But, um, you can see it has that element to it. The idea is it builds up those around you when you use it. Verse two, he says, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. Um, remember chapter 12, you can go back to chapter 12. We did a study on the gifts, uh, as there were, there was the gifts of like office kind of gifts. And then there was gifts of just to be used one to another. And, um, tongues was one of them and tongues was something that Corinth was really proud about. And this is much like today, right? You know, if you have the, the tongue speakers, they're like tongue speakers, you know, together united. And this we're, Hey, if we do like a poll here, all of a sudden, all the people who speak in tongues will be on one side. We'll call it the spiritual side. Then those who don't be like all those who don't understand, they'd never get it. Right. But remember Corinth had an issue of doing all the godly things, but not loving one another. And so they really liked speaking, able to speak in tongues. They thought that that was really cool because it was their like, you know, stamp of the Holy Spirit is on us and, and we're good. And Paul's trying to get them to see, don't just think about you. Think about those around you and expand your mindset. That's really the theme going 
all the way throughout, as we go throughout uh, the book of 1 Corinthians, you can see Paul's trying to get them to stop thinking about themselves only, but those around them. Stop trying to be elite in their own eyes. Stop, stop trying to be like, oh, you have so much liberty. I'm so, I'm so free, you know. I could do whatever I want. I'm so free. I don't even have to listen to like what God says at all. You know, that's how free I am. God has freed me to that level. Can you believe it? You know, this is amazing. You've got, I've ascended to the level where the Bible is even no longer relevant to me. That is quite the ascension, isn't it? (laughs) We could call it something else if you wanted to. Verse three, but he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. See, speaking in tongues is something that is a, it's between you and God. You don't even really know what you're saying most of the time, right? Unless you yourself are interpreting that or you have an interpreter around you. But an interpretation of tongues will always be, because we see in scripture, uh, words before you and God. You speaking to him, you speaking praise to him. It's a relationship between you and him. So we can be blessed by that, but there's going to be a lot more to prophecy where it's reaching out to people where they're at around you, speaking into their lives, having the ability to say something that can affect them and change them. We had a, a sliders and study at Paul's house on Friday. It was an awesome time. And we kind of talked about that, like being able to uh, not just like think about yourself and what's the best thing that I can gain out of this, but to look around you and see one another and be like, what can I do that would help you, that would, would make you grow? What, what about my actions can make you step out into more into new things? And being blessed. We actually were able to see it somewhat, right? The guys were, were, we were open and honest and some real stuff started happening. It was awesome, right? Because there, it was, it was brought out where someone said, you know what? It's okay. I know I've got this before the Lord. Let's just bring it out. Let's be real. And then what happens? It just, and everybody started going, right? You think you guys, oh, you guys don't like to talk. Well, get them going. See what happens. You know, you just get them going. But that's the mindset of being able to exhort and to build up. That's what prophecy do speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. We see the primary focus of prophecy, the gift of prophecy, is to build up. Right? A lot of times think when they have the gift of prophecy, it's their job to be um, just bringing the doom, right, down. You know, I have the gift of prophecy. This is all messed up and everything's screwed up and... I heard a message uh, by Phil Metzger, and he was like, we all know it's screwed up. We know everything's messed up. We can see everything around us that's messed up. Like, it's all, we can, sometimes even like those who are spiritual or who are seeking the Lord, you could see the writing on the wall of society. But he says, but if we can't have hope, who can have hope? We have Jesus. So if you don't have hope, what, what do you have? Like, what can anybody else have? We should be the ones giving hope in the midst of circumstances that don't look good. We're called to be speaking life where people can't see life. We're called to be speaking truth where people can't find the truth. They're caught up in their lies. They're caught up being stuck in everything. We are the ones that are the difference makers in the middle of everything. The world only appeals to power, right? That's the way it's, it's, it's power, power, power. And we, even as Christians, we get scared of power. But like we're connected to the one who spoke the universe into existence. So you want to talk about power. Like we... What power is there that, that we should be scared of? Like nothing, right? But we're not called to, ca- to have him be, you know, 
bringing down thunder and lightning on earth. We're called to be ones that say, there's a better way. Remember what he said, verse 12. But I'll show, they'll show you a more excellent way, and it's love. Love says, let me go down wherever you're at and reach out and show you a better way. Was there ever a better example of this than Jesus, right? And we say, you take love and you can write Jesus's name in every single part of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and it will fit. If you write your name, maybe not as quite as well, right? Maybe not at all, right? So you guys go down, start going down the line. Who do you pick on? Who's the first one? Everyone's looking down. Those who my name. Lucas is patient. Lucas is kind. Uh, yeah, okay. So far, so good, right? <laughs> it's because you were up here, Lucas, and I know you can handle it. You got broad shoulders, man. You probably did an ice bath already this morning. You just made it on the podcast, man. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, but uh, th- that's the idea, though, is, is that we are to reach down like Jesus did, you know, where he's woman at the well and this woman who's had her whole life has been caught up in sin and her whole life has been kind of not gone the way she wanted it to go. And he, he came and he gave her an opportunity and he gave her a chance at new life, knowing full well who she was, but yet offering up an opportunity. You don't have to go this way anymore. That's good news. Like, yeah, everything can be cracking and falling, but I don't the one who created everything. And that there's another place beyond this where none of this even exists. Like it's, a, it's all the tears, all the crying, all that stuff. That's gone. It's all gone. We have a new hope. And, and in this world, in this, on this side of eternity, you'll have purpose. He'll be with you. You have someone who promises never to leave you or to forsake you, but to go through everything you'll have to go through. I'm reminded again of the scripture where it's like, when you get brought up in front of the courts and they put you in front, don't worry about what you're going to say. I'll give you the words when you need them. Don't you sweat that. No big deal. It's going to happen. You're going to be in rough situations, but I'll be with you. We're the ones that have to live in all of this, but we get to be lights that shine in the midst of darkness. Salt that shapes a culture and and creates life where there's darkness and, and death. That's good news, right? So the idea for this, the believers in Corinth is to stop acting like little babies and brats about, you know, trying to think that you're cooler than the other person or you speak in tongues louder or more out of control than the next person. Or, yeah, oh, that's a different dialect. I understand. Yeah, you didn't really get it like I did. But the idea of speaking in tongues is God's idea. It's an it's a outflow of a relationship with him, and that's a good thing. But he says, if you can choose between blessing yourself and blessing others, you need to choose to bless others. Because when you bless others, it's a double blessing. You get blessed, and they get blessed, right? It's funny. Being blessed, it feels really good. Blessing others feels even better, doesn't it? And then you get to bless someone else. It's like... Who wouldn't trade $100 for $200? You, you would do this, right? Like, this makes sense, right? You say $1,000 or $2,000. If I, you know, hey, take, give me your 1000 and I'll turn it into two. Or I'll, give me your $1,000 and it'll multiply and I'll be able to keep 1000 You'll be able to keep 1000 You go, wait a minute, I don't know if I want you to have 1000 you know? Because I, I was the guy who had $1,000 and now who am I if I, no, we're all getting better because of it. We're all growing Maybe they'll have the opportunity to do the same thing for you later to do this, to pour into it. And that's funny because that's how it, it all works, right? It's 
What's a Christian? One who met one, right? Who was able to see Jesus, the risen Savior, evident in their life. The gospel message played out in their life, and it's changed them. And you go, what is this all about? And you start to see, this is, this is bigger than just us. Verse 4, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. So if you're going to choose, you choose to edify the church, to build up the church. But you have to have a heart for the church to do that. And it's so easy to be like, me and God got a good thing. I don't like people. That's just it. And God's like, that's not going to happen. That's what we went over with our guys in First John chapter 2. It's like, you can't say that you love God and hate people. That just does not work, right? The two greatest commandments, love God, love your neighbor. I wish, uh, verse five, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied for he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. Again, you see the theme Paul has here for them is you need to work to build each other up and use all the resources you have to build each other up and not to one up each other. That's you got that's and your actions absolutely affect those around you. You know, you're going to, you hear this often. You're hearing it again. Our softball team, we had our last game of the year and that was not good. Okay. So last week we, we came as proud victors and we, we had won what 19 to five. Is that right? Or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We could get some more applause for that. That was last week. This was two weeks ago or whatever. This last week we got, well, let's just say we didn't do so well. It was a, it was kind of a rough game, but the sun, man, the sun. And then somebody said, well, they were hitting in the sun to you. I don't know. It's a cheat code. They had a cheat code. Yeah. That's what Cannon always says. Whenever something doesn't go well, he's like, they're cheating. You know, like they're not cheating. They're just better. You know, they beat us. Okay. But uh, there's something that, that can easily happen in sports or really in anything in general, really in your household is as soon as someone goes south, it affects everyone around them. Right. As soon as someone starts dropping their head or worse yet, they start getting critical with one another. You should have made that catch. I can't believe you missed it, right? What ends up happening? That person misses the next one. But theirs was different because the sun was in their eyes, right? You know, mine was different than yours. But as soon as you start getting critical, you lose it. And thank God that didn't happen. We were able to kind of stay up. And that, but that's like something that's really hard to do, right? Because we always want to have someone be like, the, take the fall. You're the one that messed up my life, you know? It's because of you. That's why I am the way I am, you know? Or I would have made the catch, but I was so thrown off by miss, watching you miss your catch. I, I would have caught it, obviously. I wouldn't miss it normally. I would never make a mistake, you know? But you messed up, so I'm just going to, anyway. But the selfish person says, oh, it doesn't matter. It's all about me. The person who sees the greater thing going on says, my actions affect those around me. The things I do affect the people around me. Like my godliness affects the godliness of those around me. My spiritual walk, my walk with the Lord affects the church I'm involved in. The conversations I have, the work that I work at, and absolutely my family. 
I don't understand my kids, man. They don't want to see God. Do you see God? I don't know. You know, not all it's not us doesn't always go like that, right? Sometimes they make their own decisions, but sometimes you got to go like, man, what have, what am I doing? How can I do it? There's always something to complain about, but there's also you got to find what am where am I my part of this? How can I help instead of seeing all the problems where's the solutions? Where can I be a part of this to help with this for? So digging in deeper, growing more into spiritual gifts and spiritual things that God wants us to do because he gives us these things, not as like uh, merit badges or, or patches on your jacket, but he does it so that you can use them in their proper context for good. The idea of uh, speaking in tongues, he says, I want you all to speak in tongues. We're going to see a little later. He says, I speak in tongues more than all of you, which Paul, he is competitive. Like, for sure. And especially because he knows that the church of Corinth was, like, kind of bad-mouthing him. Like, oh, he probably, I don't even know if he does, you know? Like, and he, so he kind of, like, brings that up. And he's saying, like, it's a good thing. And, it, and it, you need to have that relationship with God. And if he gives you that, then you should use it. But you should always be looking for the thing that you can use to help those around you. You get the point. All right. Verse 6. But now, brethren, if I come speaking of, of tongues, what shall I profit? Unless Okay, we just did that one. Verse 7. Even uh, things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sound, um, how will it ever be known what it is piped or played. Now, this is interesting. Music is very coordinated, and it's, it's not a plug-and-play situation, is it? Uh, I think, uh, how many of you had someone learning, or maybe it was you, like band class when they were kids? And they said, I want to play the trumpet, right, or something, right? Because the trumpet sounds majestic, right? And it sounds like it's strong, and it's like, let's go into battle, man. And, like, let's go. We live by Ar- the Army-Navy Academy. We can hear them morning and night. You hear the trumpet. I-, I think it's a recording. I don't know. Can anyone confirm or deny? Is it actually a trumpet? Yeah, it's a, it's a bugle. You went there? Yeah, I did. <laughs> yes, it's a bugle. Okay. But a bugle in and of, your, of itself, doesn't play itself, right? You know, that's one of the first things you learn with the trumpet is you don't just blow in it. <sighs> you know, that's not how it works. You've got to, like, develop, and you've got to get pitch. The pitch is really important. A trumpet can sound absolutely horrible if it's, they don't know how to play it. And you'd be like, band, why do we need band? I thought we cut fine arts in our schools, you know? <laughs> we don't need this in our life, you know? What you need to learn is how to take out the trash. That's, they should have a class on that, you know? I need this band thing, you know, but there's something that's when it's in its right place, like in an orchestra, if you've ever been able to play in that kind of, of, uh, where you're playing with a bunch of different people and you play just your part it is amazing. What happens when everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing, playing their exact part, not trying to steal the melody because somebody's getting the melodies. Everybody else is getting the other stuff, right? And, oh, here comes the flutes, you know. Oh, he's so beautiful. You guys are like divas, right? You guys have to be seen in front of everyone, right? It's so petite, you know, and the rest of us are just playing the bass lines. What are we doing over here, you know? You know, same thing. Playing in a band like this, I totally missed a part I was supposed to drop out on this morning. You guys didn't know that. But it would have added more dynamics to the song, playing what you're supposed to be playing when you're playing it. Because our mindset is, oh, just play them all as loud as you can possibly play them all the time. That sounds terrible. Believe me, wait 
20 minutes after church and the children will show you exactly what it sounds like. Especially if you leave like the electric guitar amp on, they will just like, I'm playing music. You're not, you're not, you're playing musical instruments. You're not playing music. Because there's a distinction there, and it's important to, to recognize things in their place have value. And God orders things. Look around you. Are things ordered? Extremely ordered. Look what happens when your life isn't ordered. It's a mess, right? It's like, what, what is going on? I don't have anything, any order. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I just wake up and see what happens. I walked outside. You know, what am I going to do? You know, there's something about order, about getting things done. And, but God is, he's ordered things perfectly. The human body is this crazy uh, miracle that works with itself and can heal and can, it's just unreal. It's extremely ordered to the point where even our brains is, and, and as much technology as we have, we're still baffled by it. God orders things and he's ordered spiritual gifts for a good purpose. But we start to mess up that purpose when we start to elevate things to where they don't belong. So you could take you, you say, okay, well, here's the, I'm playing the drums and what Kellen's like kind of peeling off. By the way, if you're ever playing the drums, you can make a buildup whenever you want, right? You can, you can change the song whenever you want. You really could because you could just like, and they're, I guess we're going, you know, here we go. We're going back into the same bridge again, and we're going to play the course. You can do that. You could do that, but it's going to frustrate everyone around you. And it's going to start being like noise after a while. You know what I'm talking about? Playing your part, doing it in, in its place in order. Verse eight, for if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? There you go. There's the bugle, right? What happens if somebody gets up there and you're like, is it time to wake up yet? And it's like, and you're like, I'm sleeping. (laughs) That was no good, man. I'm not doing it. There's somebody news trying it. I don't know what that was. It's a dying bird. This was not a trumpet. This is not a bugle. So if you heard that, there's no, it's not a value to you because it's just an annoyance. It's not what it's supposed to be. It's not being done in its proper place and in its proper time for a good purpose. And it's a good purpose when you need it. So likewise, you, unless you utter uh, by the tongue words uh, easy to understand, how it will be known what is spoken, for you'll be speaking into the air. Um, it's, it's important for us to see this. It's not, this is no room for elitism or selfishness. I think the gift of tongues is, is mostly to be operated between you and God and the privacy of, you know, your own home and, or at church and to yourself and afterglow, that sort of a thing, but not to overrule, like all of a sudden you're like, I have to speak in tongues for you real quick, um, for the message. Right. And everybody goes, okay, cool. That's good. What's the interpretation? God, you're so good. Oh, I actually just said that. Cool. All right, good. Let's move on, you know, but it's in its proper place. It's important not to be speaking into the air. Verse 10, there are, it may be, um, there are, it may be so many kinds of languages in the world and none of them is without significance. Um, therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Even so, you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you should seek to excel. Um, languages are a trip, right? If you hear 
there's languages we understand, like Latin-based languages. We go, okay, well, this kind of makes sense. Like, they all kind of work with my understanding of language. Then you hear languages that you're like, what? You know? There's certain, like, Scandinavian even languages. You're like, that was, is it Finnish? I think, is it Finnish? Or one of those languages up there that you, when you hear it, you're like, what was that? You know, like, that's gnarly. We go to Hungary. It's one of the hardest languages in, in the world. I think like third hardest or something. And, and you look at it and you go, well, you're just like nothing I've ever seen before in my entire life. Putting G's and Z's together and stuff. And you're like, you guys, you people are nuts. You know, like this is, you guys are doing all this and this is how you made your language, huh? You know, they're not nuts. They're awesome anyway. But you can look at it and you go, and you hear them speaking it and you're like, nothing's computing here, right? A lot of times you hear Spanish and you go, well, yeah, yeah, okay. That word sounds like an English word or maybe you've taken Spanish classes. and So you can be like, okay, that's cool. I'm close enough. Or Italian is kind of like that too. French looks spelled the same, but it sounds way different, you know. You, you get the idea though of those and you can hear some that you're like, this means nothing to me. But to somebody else, it's just absolutely normal. And it's important they, to understand like language in and of itself actually is a trip. Like, where's language come from? They, the, wh- how did we learn to speak to one another? And where did they all, how did it all come to be? It, it in and of itself, is like pointing to a creator. Because language is intense. I mean, it is like, anyway, do study on language. You'd be like, okay, I'm getting my degree in linguistics. Yeah, you don't have to do that. But just do, do a Google search. A Google safe search on language. You never know. Um, all right. So, um, but anyway, verse 12, he says, even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. So if there's anything you want to excel in and become better at is the gifts that are going to be better for the body. You know, what's interesting is for the, for the selfish person, they think only about themselves, right? You think about only about you, but that is actually not what's best for you. So as even in being selfish, the best thing you could do is to build a healthy community around you, right? (laughs) Does that make sense? Like the best way for you to have a better life is to have a healthy situation all around you, not to be the most selfish person in the world and just keep taking. Obviously you don't feel good when you're living like that, but there's also like a bunch of elements that add up. Like this is not what you were created for and it, and it causes chaos and more problems than you could have ever imagined. And then you raise children that are selfish, just like you. And you're like, what's wrong with you? Why are you so selfish? And they're like, you are selfish. I learned from you. You taught me this, you know, very well. No, I told you to do other things, but you did this. There, there you go. Easy to do, but to, to recognize that we're, we're called to build each other up. So we seek the things that can build each other up. Verse 13, therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. Uh, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but understanding is unfruitful. Meaning like you don't get any people around you don't get anything out of it. They don't aren't able to hear what's being said. And it can be a blessing. Uh, for those around you to hear a tongue interpreted, it would be like praise to God. And that would be a good thing to hear. What are the Psalms all about? Right? We read the Psalms. It's praise to God. Right? And so that would be a cool thing to see in its right place. Verse 15. What is the conclusion then? 
I will pray with the spirit and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the spirit and I will also sing with the understanding. The understanding is important for those around us. And we are called to dwell with one another with understanding, right? To love one another and to uh, be able to pour into one another in a way that it would be understandable and helpful. How often do you think about that? Like you think about, usually you think about yourself and you think about your family, but like to think about those around you, how could I, how could I bless those around me today? What could I do that would be a blessing to them? What could I say? God, give me like something for them that would be encouraging for them right now. And then you act on it. You've been given that. What's interesting too is, is even dealing with, we don't talk about this stuff all the time, but like the spiritual gifts and speaking in tongues. I think uh, my first thought growing up in a church that had nothing to do with any of this was that speaking in tongues was like being possessed by the Holy Spirit. And it was very scary, right? Like here comes, here comes speaking in tongues. Uh Oh, this part, I see they got wily eyed, you know, and they started changing color, you know, and they started walking weird and they're about to speak in tongues, man. Watch out. You know, who knows what's going to happen next? You know, it was just like, I, so I, I've shared too, personally, I don't, I don't have this gift as of now. I literally prayed for it this morning. I thought, you know, Lord, if you want to give it to me, I'll take it. But I thought we had to be say, he didn't, he didn't, you know, I'm like, okay, if you want to do it, that's cool. If not, that's cool. But I've been used to speaking to people's lives where all of a sudden you just had a word for them and you knew it was direct and you knew it was right on the money. Like it made sense. And, and then you see the results afterwards. They're like, whoa, that, that was from the Lord. What's interesting about that is you don't actually feel that different. It just comes in. You go, that was good. Okay. Is this, is this good for you? Like, here you go. Here's a little word. And, um, you're in control. We're not out of control. And, and speaking in tongues is not like an out of control experience where you're like, I'm not going to pray to speak in tongues because I'm scared it might happen, you know? And I want to make sure if I do pray for it, I'm in a cabin in the middle of the woods. And so no one sees me acting super crazy. No, it's just you going before God. And, and the way it's been best described to me is you going before God and you saying, God, if you want to give this to me, I want everything you have for me. And if this is a gift that you want me to have, and then he gives you the words to, to, to speak. They're not words, but they're prayers up into heaven coming from him to him and it edifies your soul. See, everything we think of is in understanding, and tongues is not in understanding. It still has value for your soul. For your, it's a spiritual thing. But it doesn't have as much corporate value as saying, God, give me a word for someone in this room that will real life right now impact their life. Now, speaking in tongues will impact you, which will help you impact those around you. This is a good thing. But it's keeping it all in its proper context. And I'm sorry, if this is your first Sunday here, we... It's, we're just going through it, okay? We're getting through it all here, and it's good stuff. And we should always seek the best things that God has for us. Always. Because he's called you for a specific purpose. You were created for a specific, with a specific mindset, skill set, everything, to be his good workmanship. For good, he's created you for good works. His poema, right? Like, so you can be this vessel to speak truth into the world that we live in. He called you out for a real reason, for a real purpose. And so the best thing we could do is say, God, equip me for everything I need because I have no idea what today is going to bring. No clue. This is, this is like the Swiss army knife of life, right? 
Remember the Swiss Army knives when they first came out? It was like the best thing ever because you're like, I'm ready for any situation. You're really not. You're not ready for almost anything, really, with a Swiss Army knife. You can cut open a bag of chips if you needed to, right? And there's like some kind of scissors on there. Oh, I got tweezers. Man, oh, you might need them, you know? And you could. If you got a splinter, you could pull out a little splinty, you know, right there. Oops, you know? These are all things you could do, right? I th- one of them, th- times I had one that was like, it has like a, a saw or something. And I'm like, this, what am I going to do with a saw? You know, like, well, if a tree gets down in front of you, you might with this two inch saw, you might be able to take that whole thing out in time. You know, we, I think we've kind of gone a little further past that. And then, then there was like the Leatherman, right? Gerber Leatherman. And there was, they had pliers and that was huge. And that's usually what we just use them for pliers. And then the knife, you cut yourself on the knife and try to put it back in. Yeah, you're good. For me, Swiss Army knife. That was I got one when I was a kid. And not as if they're not small enough. We got the mini one, and, I, and me and my brother got it when we were like nine and seven or something, and pulled it out. And we'd see now you test the blade. You know how people test the blade, and I tested it straight across my thumb, and uh, and my brother did it literally one minute later. <laughs> okay, let's just test it. They are sharp. I'll tell you that they do come very sharp. And we tested, it, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> And you're trying to hide it from mom, you know, and then, then I, dude, I just cut myself testing the, how sharp the blade was. And my brother's like, really? Oh man, me too. These are called, this is called boys, you know, and this is how, this is why my parents should have probably waited longer before giving us a knife. But the idea is noble and, and, and we like having, I like camping. You have your ax and you have all this stuff, anything I need. I'm going to, you know, I'm ready to live off the land as you pull out your ice chest full of prepackaged food. I'm ready for anything that comes my way. I'm Mr. Nature man. All of a sudden, should I eat these berries? I don't know. No, don't eat them. You don't know what they are. Okay. And some berries look the same, but they're different anyway. But that's kind of like we like being feeling prepared and we like feeling like we're like, oh, I, I'm established. I'm doing something. Here we go. How much more do we need to be prepared spiritually for whatever is coming your way? You have no idea. You have no idea what's coming your way. Who's coming your way? Who you're going to end up talking to. And so being built up yourself personally, being here, you're here right now. That's awesome. This is a good thing. You're growing in that. Now you're growing in your own personal walk spiritually. God, give me what I need today to build up those around me, to build up the church, to build up the body, to be a light to the dark world that I live in. Prepare me for everything I need. Set me up for it. And so, God, if you want me to have spiritual gifts that will be, make me more effective and, and can see people's lives changed, I was, my testimony has a lot to do with people operating in spiritual gifts, speaking things into my life that came to pass that were absolutely right on and it blew my mind. I needed to see God like that. And God knew that. And so he used people, gave them the ability, gave them the faith, gave them the opportunity. They spoke out and it changed my life. Here I am. And I've gone through over and over again. I look back and I see Miracles after miracles after miracles after miracles. It's not just understanding. I've seen it happen. God has done it over and over and over and over again. And he does it in this church all the time. Miracles all the time. See him guide and provide and use and anyway. But we want to be part of that. So you say, all right, Lord, what do I, what do I need so I can best 
edify and build up those around me. Give me what I need. I, I, I don't want to hold you back from anything. Because although the cruising kind of chill life sounds appealing, it is boring and is not what you were created for. And you will always feel bummed about it afterwards. You're always going to feel like, what am I doing with my life? Oh, I need more stuff. That'll help. You know what? I need a boat. If I get a boat, then my life will be right. You know how stupid that sounds. Does that sound so dumb, you know? Like, you're going to get a boat. That'll do it. Yeah. Oh, it wasn't the boat. You know what? I was close. It was a motorcycle. I need a motorcycle. I need a Harley, actually. There's nothing wrong with a boat. There's nothing wrong with a Harley. There's nothing wrong with those things. It's just when they're put in their their proper context, they're great. But if you think that that's going to give you life, you're wrong. You were made for adventure. You were made to go do, but it's so much more than a nature exhibition or walkabout. It's a spiritual walk that involves more adventure and more treasure hunting than anything you ever imagined (laughs) as a kid. Were you looking for like, God, what do you want me to do here? How should we operate here? What can we do here? What, What do you want me to say? How can we, anyway, all these different things. And you see every opportunity that's around you. So God equip me and make me ready for that. Verse 17, for you indeed give uh, thanks well, but the other is not edified. I thank my God. I speak uh, with tongues more than you all. There it is. (laughs) I thank God that I speak tongues more than you. Thank you, Paul. Um, He's totally punking him. And I love that about him because he's done this multiple times. He's like, you guys, oh, so you don't think I deserve this. You Listen, young buck, you have no idea. Okay. Verse 19, he says, yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. This is the heart that Paul has towards people. And this is the heart we need to have. I can have 10,000 of me and my God. How can I reach you? What perfectly crafted fitting words could I give you right now where you're at that will affect your spiritual life? What can I give to you? I will confess. I don't do this very often. Sometimes I, I think after I speak most of the time and then you go, well, that was not great, you know, but occasionally you'll come in and you pray into a situation. And it's usually when the situation, you know, is going to be hard. It's always the ones that you think are going to be easy that all of a sudden you're like, Oh no, (laughs) this is not what I thought it was. I'm trapped, you know, but it's the ones where you're coming in and you're praying. You're like, God, help me to speak clearly and, and to do what you want me to do and to give this and that there'd be grace. And, and you watch them do these amazing things and work in your life. But then there's the times where you just kind of cruise in and be like, oh, got this one, got this one nailed. You think of Joshua, right? Getting defeated at AI because he thought, I'm good. We, these, we already, we, we took these guys out already. They're easy. This is like nothing, you know, like I could, we can handle them. No problem. No, no big deal. But he didn't go and say, Lord, what do you want me to do here? How do you want to proceed? I need your help. I can't do this on my own. So we need to like live like that. I think that's the point Paul's trying to get across is like live in a way that you are others conscious around you, every single person around you. And so when you've been given an opportunity to get spiritual gifts, take them. We believe the gifts are for today. 
We believe that. And, and I, and I've, cause I've seen it. I've, I've experienced it and I've been actually been able blessed to be on both sides of it. And it is amazing on both sides. We get to do that. So I would encourage you. I think this is my encouragement is to seek him in that, right? God, what do you want me to do? If, and you could say, you know, this whole tongues thing's always kind of throwing me off. Maybe I grew up ultra Pentecostal and, and it kind of got weird over there. And there's like the chandeliers and people were barking and whatnot, you know. And then on the other side, you know, you go, no, I grew up. And, and we said that that was not for today. And those are t- terrible things. And that's demonic. And, you know, and this is all crazy or whatever. But to say, God, no, 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 no. All of that aside, I see what you say in your word. Give me what I need. I need it. Give it to me. Help me have it. Just fill me. Use me. Empower me to do your work, to minister to those around us. So I encourage you with that. Simple, but, you know, it has a huge effect, right, on the world we live in and the the church we're in, right? Imagine you start giving, God gives you a word for someone in this church and you encourage them. And imagine what that does to them. It makes them want to do that for someone else. And imagine they, you know what I'm saying? Once again, like it will come back and pay for itself two times as, because everyone's doing it for one another. Everyone's lifting one another up. Everyone's helping one another. Everyone's looking to seek not just their own, but the will of or the good of others around them. So let's pray and, and we'll, uh, we'll get into some worship. I encourage you to spend some time with him and just say, God, what do you want me to do? You know, I'm kind of. You know, everybody's in different places. Maybe you're already doing that. But if you're not and you say, yeah, I've kind of been like lacking and restricting God and.